Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Nate Matthews Leader, and I'm joined by my co-host. Maggie and Tim, and we are the Inside Agents. On this weekly podcast, we'll be discussing hot topics around football and the sports industry from two agents' perspectives. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with another episode of the Inside Agents, and today we have a very special guest. We have joining us today, Daniel Gee, football attorney, author with the, with the Sheridan's law firm in the UK. Thank you for joining us, Daniel. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, glad to, glad to be on the conversation. Always good to chat to like-minded people. And um, yeah, looking forward to the chat. Absolutely. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, today is with great pleasure that we introduce Daniel Gee to the show. Uh, for those that don't know, Daniel Gee is probably one of my favorite, and I'm sure Nate can agree with this, like one of our favorite attorneys, just overall, um, you know, sports, um, I mean, attorneys, he's amazing, amazing. And he is also regarded as UK's most highly respected uh, sports lawyer. Some of his clients include a Premier League, Champions League, football clubs, agencies, rights holders, other sports companies. I mean, he's the media go-to guy when it comes to a lot of complex legal matters. So whether that's um, speaking on Sky Sports, BBC, CNN, BT Sport, Bloomberg, BBC Radio, you name it. And he's also an author of one of my favorite books called Done Deal. I mean, it's a highly recommended book, um, changed my life, really helped me get adjusted into the football industry as an agent. And so I'm super excited to have you here, Daniel, and welcome to the Inside Agents. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for that background and introduction. I think um, I feel about five foot taller now, so that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Daniel, please share with our audience, how did you get into sports law? Yeah, the, well, the, the, the very short answer is, um, just like all of us, we're all soccer and football fans in the beginning. And I grew up in a football mad family as a Liverpool supporter. Um, I went to all the games, consumed all the content, but that was when content wasn't on the internet. It was when content was basically in newspapers and magazines and things, physical things that you would find. And, you know, fast forward a particular period of time now where we're in this sort of digital data everything immediately, uh, infinite age of um, information sharing and information consuming state. We, you know, I, um, I sort of transitioned between, my, my, my mum is, um, uh, is and was a tennis player. Uh, my dad is a, a lawyer. And so I sort of transitioned into the world of sports and, uh, and law for uh, an under, undergrad degree in um, law and politics, and then a master's degree in uh, competition law and football broadcasting rights and then started um, at a law firm called Jones Day, an American law firm. Um, spent two years there doing my training um, and got involved in some cool football stuff and sports stuff generally. But the truth is, going back to the, the essence of the question, you know, I was doing a whole range of different um, topics and sectors for quite a long time. I've, I've been a lawyer, lucky enough to be a lawyer for just over 15 years now. Um, and I've been working in sectors as diverse as pharmaceuticals to telco to 
financial services to automotives to aviation to agriculture and obviously sport um, and football a lot more recently but it's been a, a lot a long slog in the short term at least to be able to transition from being a lawyer across lots of different sectors to um, getting involved more in uh, you know one particular sector sport and even a micro sector of football being that one as well too amazing Daniel, just to follow up, what does a day in the life of a football agent look like? Or a football lawyer, I should say, sorry. Yeah, well, um, for, for, you know, sports lawyer and a football lawyer, um, the truth is, is that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's weird to say, but it sounds a lot sexier than it is. Because really, what, what I am is, um, and I know you guys have heard me speak about this before, is the truth, is, you know, um, I, I'm called a football lawyer, but actually I'm a commercial contracts lawyer. I'm an intellectual property lawyer. Um, I'm a disputes lawyer. I'm a regulations lawyer. I'm a mediation and arbitration lawyer. Um, I am uh, a solutions finder. I'm a reputation management lawyer. Um, so I, I cut across an awful lot of um, topics that are quite specific to sports and specific to football. So briefly, I could be doing um, a commercial ambassador agreement. I could then be drafting a settlement agreement for a dispute. I could then be handling uh, an agent's uh, mediation or arbitration proceedings. I could then be dealing with um, someone that has said something on Twitter or Instagram or done something on Tinder or otherwise they shouldn't have been doing. Um, and the disciplinary process that a club might instigate in terms of that. Sometimes it might just be that players and or agents or a number of my other clients will just phone up and asking for particular, my particular experiences in certain things that have gone on in the past and to offer help or guidance just more generally. So a lot of the time it's, you know, you've got to, thank goodness I've built up quite a lot of practical knowledge and understanding about the industry through doing but that also comes from, you know, listening to people and actually trying to help people in the first place, finding solutions and then being able to use that experience to be able to further help that client or other clients too. Amazing, amazing. And so with that, how do you say, uh, or would you say agents and lawyers, if they're generally looking to work together within the field how, how would you describe that relationship and what that looks like yep. for agents and, and attorneys yeah I mean I, the, the truth is is that there's always a little bit of um, there's always a little bit of a comp not complications the wrong word but until an agent realizes the benefit that a lawyer can bring to the deal whatever it might be sometimes agents will see lawyers as um, not ne not necessarily the most important part of the process because we tend to hold up things unfortunately we tend to cause more conflict we tend to delay things we, we but that is through the eyes of someone else simply because what we are trying to do is protect the best interests of our clients and a lot of the time what can sometimes happen is there can be a particular clause in an image rights deal there can be a particular definition in an employment contract there can be ambiguity in a commercial deal. There can be issues with an indemnity in, um, you know, another type of contract. So 
you know, our issue, my issue, unfortunately, unfortunately, is I'm there to find the holes in things. And a lot of the time when things um, are quite time sensitive, there can be big personalities involved. Um, the, the player and the agent, a lot of the time when they're including a lawyer in the process are quite close to the end of the process. So they're obviously very keen on trying to get any deals done and rightly so. What, what I am always balancing is um, making sure that my client understands the risk of doing things in a particular way versus not unduly delaying things, but understanding that if we do it in this way, this will mean this. And if we hold back on this and do it in a particular way, then this will happen. And so sometimes I feel it's a great question. I have a difficult balancing act between trying to get the deal over the line, but very much trying to use any leverage and negotiation power to be able to get things done the right way to the benefit um, of my client. And it happened a few windows again. I remember it very clearly is that we'd almost got the deal over the line with a particular transfer, um, but we were waiting for one club to provide um, a document really. Um, and I explained to the agent that we needed to get that done before we could conclude the deal. And the club and everybody was going crazy at me because um, effectively the lawyer was holding up the deal. But the truth was is that it was very important for us to get that particular piece of information before the deal could close. So everybody was very annoyed with me at the time. But again, my client recognized the value of what I was doing, which the easy option would have been fine, go ahead and do the deal. The hard thing sometimes to say is no. And that's what's, what can sometimes be the most important thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And would you say, or would you suggest that most football agents possibly go to law school prior to becoming a football agent? So, so maybe having that law background um, before they become an agent or at least having basic knowledge of law could maybe help? Yeah, um, look, um, th there are plenty of top agents um, that don't have a law background whatsoever, that um, have um, people around them that can um, effectively, sh not shield, but effectively add value to the proposition. And that's what happens a lot of the time. As you get more senior and do deals and uh, increase your network and find opportunities and do more transactions, etc., you you get to see how things work on the inside more. So you get to understand which of the clauses are more important what are the things to look out for, where it's important to maybe gain an external lawyer for their help in particular, um, in particular ways. So th that for me is ultimately sometimes the most important thing, which is just as in life, and it's the same with me, and it's the same with agents and certainly the same with lawyers, is sometimes it's important to recognize your strengths, but also understand your weaknesses and then try and mitigate your weaknesses as much as possible to, um, to make sure that the, the deal, the negotiation, the discussions, the, um, the exchange, the quid pro quo, whatever else is, is, you know, is covered. And so, I, you know, unless there's a particular regulatory requirement that says you have to have gone to law school to be an agent, um, then I don't think it's imperative. I almost think sometimes those other skills that agents have, which lawyers don't have, which is sometimes practicalities, thinking on their feet, solutions orientated, great network, building personal relationships, getting things done, dealing with rejection, all, all, all of the usual things um, are equally as important as, you know, surrounding yourselves with the right people. Speaking of, speaking of contracts, Daniel, quick question. Um, I know you've seen a lot of football players now with COVID 
Ryan Frazier, for example, deciding that once his contract's up June 30th, he's like, I'm not playing at all. Like, I don't want to see out the contract. I don't want to extend it. What um, clauses do you expect to be seen in contracts that agents and lawyers have never seen before? If you could touch on that. Yeah. Well, the first thing is I actually have sympathy in those type of scenarios for both sides is the truth. You know, this is such an unforeseen eventuality. And I think the, the point on something like Fraser as well is um, he, he, he has to be very careful about protecting himself um, unless there is a very, very strong insurance policy that he could sign and then signs a short-term deal. You know, what happens if he tears his cruciate ligament his first, second game back? He's a free agent. Bournemouth probably aren't going to offer him a long-term deal and he needs to protect his position to some degree. And he protects his position by not getting himself injured and possibly signing a very lucrative four or five-year deal, maybe with a top um, English or um, European club. So um, what will be interesting to see in the summer is any renegotiations that happen, how they can best mitigate those types of circumstances. Because what we're actually dealing with is a, quite a systemic change to the way that the football transfer system and registration windows um, function. Um, you know, never before for a long time have we seen the season extended, which doesn't necessarily align with the ideal of, or rather the practicalities of when contracts end. So, you know, let's hope that in a particular period of time, we're not in that particularly stronger position to have to, um, to have to deal with these things in the longer term. But the truth also is, is that we don't know what the future may hold in six months to, to nine months. And unless, um, unless maybe, for example, um, the, the PFA, the Professional Football Association, um, maybe start um, um, some type of collective bargaining agreement or some type of um, um, negotiation slash wider systemic structural discussion with the, with football stakeholders it will be down to you know individual bilateral agreements but you would say if there was agreement signed pretty soon that um you would have thought that in two or three years time it won't necessarily hopefully be that relevant anymore awesome awesome amazing amazing um you know, advice and just information regarding contracts. And and speaking of contracts, so to piggyback off of what Nate, you know, asked, um, have you ever encountered maybe a difficult uh, transfer throughout your career that you were working on for a particular uh, football client? Every to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what would you say was the most challenging one? There's, there's, there's lots. And obviously, you know, I, you know, I can't, um, you know, of course. speak on particular issues because due to confidentiality, but just like every right. transaction, a lot of the time, um, a lot of the time there'd be lots of issues at play. Um, it might well be that um, they're close to transfer deadline times, which then heightens everybody's need to get the deal over the line. It might well be that a club uh, puts in particular clauses, which in my view might be difficult to accept. And therefore you're having quite a lot of um, quite terse and tense conversations with the club to try and explain the player's position. 
it might well be that the player and the agent aren't in a very particularly strong position and have to um, take some of the um, some of the clauses that are on the the table, and vice versa. Sometimes it might well be that the player is in a very strong position and you can push quite hard um, on uh, particular clauses because you know that the, the the club desperately wants the the player to sign. But a lot of the time, just like anything, it's to do with trying to maintain good communication between your client and the other side and trying to understand to know where you're willing to give where you want to stay strong where you want to be able to push back you know without potentially endangering the deal because that's ultimately the point you know no agent's going to work for you if you are so difficult in your negotiation that um, the deal is um, you know uh, is effectively derailed as a result so there's always that difficult balancing act. Um, but again, it's always just trying to manage the personalities involved and to try and communicate those points to the other side to explain why they're important for you and why we can find a, a solution or a compromise or a, you know, a midway point. Absolutely. Thanks, Daniel. Daniel, just another quick question. Well, this is more opinion-based. I want your opinion because you mentioned collective bargaining. I know, um, in the MLS, they're big on that. So before our season kicked off, the MLS Players Association and MLS agreed a bargaining deal. Then when COVID shut down the league, the MLS, um, the MLS, the commission itself decided that they wanted to enter a force major clause in all the contracts, which um, basically stated that for any unforeseen event like this, they can unilaterally decide to slash player contracts. So um, just in general, do you think that in Europe more they'll be leaning towards having collective bargaining agreements and minimum and maximums, or do you, or do you not think that's possible in Europe? It's a great question on sort of structural changes to how things may happen as a result of what we're seeing at the moment. And it's a, it's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced in the short term that there will be such systemic change in terms of collective bargaining to a degree, but I think other things are happening at the same time. So, for example, it was just announced today that um, UEFA um, are effectively making their financial fair play rules more flexible to take into account for the revenue decreases that clubs will have um, um, effectively forecast because of everything that's happened from COVID in the last few months. In the same way, um, structurally things are changing a bit in the, um, in the lower leagues of the English um, uh, EFL um, because th there are significant reports that there's going to be equivalent of wage caps possibly introduced in uh, League One and League Two. Um, there are the equivalents um, of the UEFA rules to a degree um, in the Premier League, they're not called the financial fair play rules, they're called the profitability regulations. Um, but I think structurally there might be things that um, may occur to, to tighten rules to a degree in some ways, but also give clubs that flexibility. So it, it's a great point. I think, um, you know, out of crisis usually comes change. We saw it with, um, uh, we saw it back in 2010, I think it was 2010 with Portsmouth going into administration in, um, uh, in the Premier League. The Premier League then implemented yeah. their own um, equivalent um, regulations to stop that occurring in the, in the end. 
UEFA implement their FFP regulations because of the 1.7 billion euro collective loss that European clubs participating in their competitions had, um, had, had, had more or less um, uh, encountered. We saw when um, third party ownership and third party investment issues yeah. occurred because of Tevez and Mascherano and the Premier League, FA, EFL, and then FIFA bring in that prohibition. So it's usually in times of um, uh, regulatory, economic, um, um, you know, circumstantial crises that then usually regulations are beefed up in order to take into account of those types of um, uh, externalities. And I think that's likely, again, it's the truth. Well, it's a great topic. Great, great, great answer. Great answer. Um, just to switch over to another topic that I know you're great in, we're just going to talk about networking. So what tips do you have for networking in sports for anyone in the business? Oof. Well, the, the good news is at the moment, Nate, I'm actually, so based on the YouTube clips that I know that you, you uh, uh, course that I know you and Maggie watched as well. Um, I'm, I'm trying actually to try and put together a small book, a short book on how best to try and um, get ahead in, um, in any industry, but in my experiences, maybe in, um, in sports as well. And the, there, are lot, there are lots of things is the truth, but some based on you know, my experience, some based on what mentors um, have taught me over the years, and some based you know, on my experiences of failing miserably <laughs> and trying to find better ways to be able to do things. Um, and the, my, my, my short answer is for networking is you just got to start somewhere. That, that's the honest truth. You've got to be proactive. And I don't want to try and, I don't want to make it sound all airy fairy or difficult to try and do. And part of the, the YouTube course I was trying to do is to try and give people some sort of tangible steps to actually take. So for those that hadn't seen the course, uh, which is most of the world, um, but in any event, um, you know, some of the pointers that I tried to get across were, you know, all of us, and it goes back to the first thing we talked about, all of us um, are able to consume large amounts of content on our phones, on our computers, via blogs, via podcasts, great podcasts that you, you guys are doing, via TED Talks, via books, whatever else it might be. And my first sort of starter for 10 on that first day was, you know, get into habits of reading content in your sweet spot or in the, in the, or in the spot that you want to build expertise um, um, and try and build a career in. And then start contacting those people that write those great pieces of content say how much you enjoyed them, mention particular points, make it quite specific, be quite precise. And that's how you start building a bit of a network is the truth. It can, it can obviously come from um, the people that you're reading articles from, but ultimately then is that what you can try and do is look within the realm of the people that you already connect with. It might be on LinkedIn, it might be in your phone book, um, it might be on your email. And you start almost to build your own internal ecosystem. And this is what I mentioned on one of the other days, which is to try and almost picture, um, and picture um, your network, your own internal network, and then try and find ways to 
connect people to each other, to try and find additional people that can connect into your network so that you start visualizing your ecosystem that then gets bigger and bigger as, as necessary. So the, the very short answer to the very good question in terms of networking is start straight away very small, but aim big. But what you need to do in the meantime is start with one, go on to five people, get 10, start interacting with people, you know, build knowledge, share knowledge, um, explain the type of stuff that you can do, you know, share things that you read, um, and, and bit by bit, step by step, um, you know, month by month, you start um, expanding that network more than you ever believe really, rather than just being like, I don't know where to start and I don't know how I can do it. And what's the point? When you see those tangible steps leading to things, then that's always a really good step. And I, th I think, you know, what you guys mentioned to me beforehand, which is how you met, you guys met from listening to one of my YouTube courses is yeah. just a brilliant yeah. example of that great pro proactivity. And it made me very proud actually that you guys took on board one of the things that I said, which was proactivity and think about how you can grow your network and look what you guys are doing now. It's amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> You're going to make me Thank blush, you. Daniel. Thank you so much. Daniel, there's been so Thank many so podcasts much. where we've all shouted you out so many times just about so many. It wouldn't, so many. we wouldn't be together if it weren't for you. So thank you. Yep. yep. So we're, we're forever grateful uh, to you. And just to piggyback off of Nate's question and when we talk about networking and we talked about, you know, so far your experience within law, um, I'm a huge advocate for females, of course, for women um, within sports, especially, and, and really encouraging women to, to start looking at becoming uh, football agents um, or, or even football attorneys. And so what advice do you have for not just females wanting to get into, let's say, sports law? Um, or football law in particular, but just a lot of those students who are, you know, in universities now and, and they're trying to um, become the next Daniel Yee or, you know, um, another attorney <laughs> or, or, or at least another football attorney. What advice would you share? Well, it's, um, yeah, it's a great one because my view is, is that I think people put too much pressure on themselves to to it almost be if i can't do it now it's not for me mm. and if i if i don't get a response from the ah, right. um, if i don't get a response from the five or ten agents that i've emailed or that i've tried to get in touch with then um, it's obviously because i'm not good enough and as a result i need to try my hand at something else and and, and that's effectively um, a really important point. And there's a few points stemming from that. The first is, you know, if it's your passion, if it's something that you really want to get involved in, you have to think about it as a long-term project, not a short-term aspiration. And if you, can, if you can change your mindset to, it doesn't need to happen now because I want this in the long-term. And as a result of wanting this in the long-term, I'm going to invest in the short to medium term to get there. You immediately become less, you put less pressure on yourself to achieve in the short term because you're doing it because you're interested in it. You're doing it because you want to grow. You're doing it because you're humble enough to believe you don't know everything that there is in the industry. 
but the way that you go about it is through you know knowledge building through process through reading stuff through sharing with others through connecting through um believing that you're good enough in the long term to be able to do it and through effectively probably the most important one building your skill set um into the areas that you think will best serve you for the situation that you're going to find yourself in and ps building that skill set absolutely doesn't need to be in sport in the short to medium term and that's the thing that i've realized i can only speak from my experiences i've really been working in sport full-time 100 percent of my time for the last five six seven years is the truth before that that means i've spent half of my career doing non-sports work but in the end that those skill sets that ability to read regulations to be able to understand how things work to be able to draft good emails to be able to communicate right to be able to network and chat with people to listen intently all of the things that i can obviously still get better at um have held me in really good stead for how best to you know, get into the profession and stay there. So my thing that I said every day on the course was, um, don't worry about getting into sports in the short term. I know that it sounds ridiculously counterintuitive, but it's the truth, which is if you want to, you know, be the best sports marketing agent or work, work at the best sports marketing agency, it doesn't mean in the short term that you have to be in a sports marketing agency. How about be the best marketeer you can in lots of particular sectors, learn from brilliant people across the whole industry full stop. And then if you're still reading five articles a day about sport, if you're still networking in the right circles, if you've got fantastic experience and knowledge about being a marketeer more generally, then you'll be in a much stronger position in four or five years time when an advertised role comes up, when a particular opportunity that you hear about happens, from when from a person that you've networked with three or four years ago, sends you a job profile that maybe everyone else hasn't seen. All of that puts you in the best position to be able to um, reap the rewards of the investment that you've made in the short to medium term. Absolutely. And I know, I mean, for someone like myself, I'm a huge, huge advocate for everything that you said, including um, self-knowledge, right? And being able to educate yourself um, I mean, besides Dundee, as one of myself and even Nate's favorite books, what are some other, what are some good books that you recommend? So even if it's, whether it's law books, sports yeah. books, or just well, uh, maybe yeah, business. It, it just depends. Um, if, if it's about sort of knowledge of the industry, then there's a couple of great ones that I've literally got on my shelf that I'm going to show you right now. <laughs> yes. They're right here. I've, so. I think I've added all of your book recommendations. Uh, Some of them I read before, and then the new ones I added to my yep. book collection. So. Amazing. So, yeah, I've actually, what I've actually just done is um, I've um, set up lists on Amazon um, where people can find the, the football books or the sports books that I recommend, and then the sort of uh, personal development books. And then it's, I think, on this Amazon awesome. influencer program. So then if someone buys from that site, then um, some money can go to charity that I raise. So that's hopefully the next step that I'm going to try and do for those particular things. But the books that I'd recommend, which I know you've already Love seen it. them. First yep. one is How to Become a Football Agent by Dr. Yep. That I know, Definitely. That I know you guys know. Of course. <laughs> I've literally, because I've got my bookshelf here, so I can just hold up a few. The second is The Price of Football by uh, Kieran Maguire. That's a really, I, really fantastic I ordered that book. one. 
<laughs> Good one. So, yeah, so Kieran, Kieran does his own podcast and is, is fantastic. You know, the, the book in between that I, is still one of my favorite books of all time um, by one of my favorite authors called Michael Lewis is, uh, is Moneyball. Just the because Moneyball. of the way yeah, Moneyball. Yes. Yes. You know, the truth is, yes. is that I, I wasn't, I thought, I thought the film was okay. Um, and that was, I think, maybe because I, because the book, I love the book I, too I, much. Yeah, I hold it <laughs> such a high esteem and such a pedestal that it's almost like anything that isn't as equally as good is almost just not not worthwhile even sort of speaking about. Um, so, so that I really that that book I really enjoyed from both a sports and from a storytelling perspective. I've just finished Absolutely. two other books very briefly. Sorry, because I'm always a big advocate of, of reading. So I try. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> one is this. It, it's it's a it's a great title. It's not supposed to be a mean title, but it's called Surrounded. Oh by wow! I, I you know I, I read a brief synopsis of it and I said, uh, should I order this? Should yeah. I order this? So it's it's, it's more or less about how um, people are categorized into different colors um, depending on their personality type, and then once you know yourself, which type of colors you're more likely to fall into in categories how best for you then to interact with others based on their own colors and character types wow. can become wow. very interesting. Um, yeah, and no, that's amazing. One, yeah, and then the last one, which I've ju literally just finished today is, is this, which is actually really, really, really interesting. Ah, to sell is human. To sell to yeah, human. I, I, gotta, gotta I, I, I gotta add that to the collection. Yes, exactly. So then my next one, very briefly, which I've been <laughs> recommended for ages, is this one. It's called Grit by Angela. Oh, yeah. Grit. Grit. Yeah. yeah. It's classic. I read, I read Grit about three years ago. I, I read that book and it's yeah. life changing. Life changing. So, yeah, I've read parts of it before, but then I, I put it down and didn't get back to it. So I'm going to spend some time with the weekend, possibly uh, yeah, reading that, which is exciting. So no, that, yeah. that's then, a good one. Yeah. So my, my idea really for this sort of idea for the, the career book is to take a few of the things from some of the books that I've read, mix it with some of my experiences and knowledge and what people have explained to me over the years and try and um, put that out at some point. But that's going to, I think, take a little bit of time to do because I want to try and get a few of my uh, ideas in order. But I think hopefully it could be done. You, you definitely have a buyer from me for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you already know we're we're huge supporters um, of you and, and just big fans of you. So anything that you put out, we're subscribing to. So that's at least you know you get two, Good. you know, loyal uh, fans here. <laughs> um, so you've accomplished so much with your career, and I mean, you've built a successful um, career and, and legacy, if I will say, because in years to come when we look back on publications like Dunjil and just even articles that you have, you know, contributed, whether it was for the guardian or the independent and, um, what's next, what's next for Daniel Gee? Is it possibly starting a law firm? Is it possibly writing a, a sequel to Dunjil? How, how could you sum up what's next for you? Um, it's, the, the truth is, it's whatever gets me excited about doing things. I, I think, like, as you guys probably can see with a lot of the things I do, um, I, I just like creating things, <laughs> if that's the, the simplest way of doing stuff. It's like, I, I love spending time with Dr. Urquhart talking through ideas that he has on stuff because he's literally 
the best doer in the world. When he, when he says something, the, the most energized that I always get is that like three weeks later, it's like, it's done. He does it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I like, yeah, I went on a trip to India with him. We were talking about this, a few ideas that we've had on stuff. He was like, yeah, we've got to, I'm going to do this. And this happened. And I get back and like three weeks later, it's like, it's done. And things have <laughs> happened. And so my, my wife even explained to me when I got back from India with a trip with him, when I was lecturing for the week um, over in Mumbai, which was an amazing experience. I was just like energized for weeks because it was like the, the process of imparting knowledge, but also, you know, speaking um, uh, and trying to say interesting things was the truth um, and find interesting um, avenues to be able to collaborate with him on. And so, you know, as you can probably see, it's like, I, I, I just like creating through trying to help. So that could be in podcasts. It could be from Dundeal. It might be a second edition, although it was a lot of work <laughs> um, and it probably have to be a COVID section, to put it mildly. My, my focus actually um, on the non-creative stuff uh, or rather the, um, the, the non-law stuff is to probably try and write this career book um, in the next year or so or nine months. That, that's what's getting me very excited at the moment. Um, my other ideas on the charity side that I do um, a, a different bits of variety on, which is I still um, I'm a chairman of a charity called Football Aid, um, which is a great cause. Um, which uh, is basically a diabetes charity. Um, I, I, I work across all of my clients to be able to help give to um, a number of um, children's hospices and hospitals um, in the UK, which is very rewarding as well as the truth. Yes. Um, I've got my uh, fashion brand 13 that you may have seen. Yes. Yep. So, yep. Please uh, shout it out. We'll yeah. share all the links. Thank you. And so I, that's, I was so. trying to put in my order for one. Good. This time, but Amazing. it didn't come in time. Thank you. It didn't come in time. <laughs> we can do the second one and then we can all have them. We'll, we'll do it. Yes. And oh, the yes. Third the second too. one, we will all have the 13th. <laughs> yes. For sure. Amazing. The shirts so, as well. That's like energy that I, I, I find a lot of positive energy from doing that as well. Um, and, you know, that's nothing to do with then the day job. Um, working at Sheridan's, doing the work, that, which is the mainstay of the stuff that I'm, I'm trying to do day in, day out working with a, a fantastic team alongside me um, uh, in the sports group that I love working with day in, day out. So I think it's almost like, you know, how can I keep doing the same type of things? How can I keep balancing enough uh, plates? Um, how I can keep being energized by the, 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 the fun stuff that I like doing. And a lot of it is just because technology is at such a stage now where you know, the, 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 the world in a way is, uh, is your oyster. You know, four years ago, I wouldn't be able to do a podcast because you would require a studio for it. Now all you need is your smartphone mm -hmm. or a Zoom call um, and an app which distributes, you know, uh, you know, in the same way five years ago, or even three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to start a charity um, fashion label. Um, I wouldn't have been able to auction off um, football shirts online to be able to raise more money for good causes and you know I wouldn't be able to have this conversation with you guys so it's it's almost in a way the positivity of technology which allows us to be able to do so many good things and I'm just trying to embrace that really is the truth. Absolutely. Thank you Amazing. so much Daniel. Amazing. Please before we go let our viewers know where to find you on your social media please. Okay I'll start at the top so we've got Twitter uh, which is uh, yeah football law 
Um, Instagram is the same, which is football law. I'm actually on TikTok, although you'll be pleased to know I'm not dancing uh, or singing. Um, so Rats. I'm football law on TikTok. Uh, LinkedIn is just my, my search name. On YouTube, I'm Daniel G, um, G W E Y. And then uh, have I missed out anything? I probably have. Yeah, then the, thir- the, the shop to buy um, all the 13 merchandise, including this cap and other stuff, is 13 shop. That's 13 shop co.uk and i think oh yeah and then you can buy done deal at uh, on amazon really which is probably the easiest way to to buy it um and <laughs> i think i'm running out of uh, links <laughs> and linkedin linkedin major yes. one yes exactly yes. so yes yeah so just search my name and you can you guys everyone find me and uh, can connect Absolutely. And Daniel, once again, it is such a pleasure um, to have you here with us. Um, I mean, Nate, I'm sure you can attest to this, but I learned a lot just from this conversation. I learned even more, um, you know, just from this conversation. So I'm sure our audience is going to um, love it. And we thank you so much for joining us here at the Inside Agents. Pleasure, pleasure and great stuff. Great productivity. So I'm looking forward to listening it back and listening to the episodes too. Absolutely. And we thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Inside Agents and we will see you next week. Thank you.